This podcast contains adult language and mature themes, which may not be suitable for all listeners. So listen at your own fucking risk. Essential NPCs, the podcast where we sample some of the best and possibly some of the worst tabletop RPGs. I'm Addie. And I'm Tommy. And you're listening to Series 8, Episode 17, Shadow of the Master. And let's start it off with an announcement. For those of you who have listened to our podcast in previous series, you'll know that at the end of every series, we have a section called post-game chatter. This is where the players and the GM uh, get to sit down after the campaign is concluded and talk about uh, all of the things that have happened over the past 10 to 20 episodes. And also one of the main features of post-game chatter is that we answer questions from you guys. So this is our announcement letting you know that it is time to start thinking up and sending in your post-game chatter questions. You can ask us anything about the campaign, anything about role-playing games in general, really anything. If you send a question in for post-game chatter, we will answer it. And the deadline for these questions is coming up as the series is getting closer to an, to the end. Episode 20 will be the finale of Series 8. So the deadline for your post-game chatter questions is... The evening of October 9th. The cutoff is 5 p.m. Central Time, October 9th. We're going to get to get the cast together and record post-game chatter that evening. So those of you who want to hold out till the very end before you send your questions, you have most of the day to listen to episode 19 before you send them in. Uh, those of you who have questions right now, no need to wait. Send them in. We'll write them down and address them in post-game chatter. You can send us your questions via Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, uh, our website, which is EssentialNPCs.com, uh, or our email address, which is EssentialNPCsPodcast at gmail.com, or if you're a Patreon supporter, you can send out in your questions through there. Uh, we hope to get your questions soon, and if you send in your questions and then think of another one, don't hesitate to send us another round. Uh, we'll be looking forward to them. It's my favorite part of every season. But for now, let's move on in to Words with the GM. Hello. Hello, GM. Hello. This Words with the GM Hello. is about Series 7, Episode 16, Behind the Mask. We've been following the visions of Grandello Fug for a little while now, and it seems like Aralax has uh, really kicked the clues into gear um, as, we, as we sort of w explore what's going on uh, around the planet. The inclusion of prophecy or visions as a storytelling device is really common and it fits perfectly into uh, role-playing games. It's a way to like keep your players engaged, make it so that you can drop little hints for like story hooks and like relate them to the, to, uh, to whatever vision or prophecy they've heard. And that will let them know like, Ooh, this is an important thread we should pull on. Let's do it. But it's not always easy to implement uh, prophecy or vision in like an interesting way. Really just like fortune telling in general is hard in a role-playing game setting because it's really hard to guess 
what your players are going to do down the line. <laughs> and so you might be like, ah, yes, you, uh, single player are destined to slay the main bad guy of this campaign. And then because of some dice rolls that happen in, in session four, that character dies <laughs> and it's like, oh no, <laughs> the prophecy has broken <laughs> and my entire plot has fallen apart. <laughs> so, uh, one thing you definitely want to avoid when, when bringing prophecies to your tabletop game is zeroing them in specifically onto one player. That's uh, certainly true. And we've, we've talked a little uh, previously about how uh, it's a fine line to walk when you have um, focus on one player versus uh, the group as a whole. And so uh, especially for GMs that are uh, trying to figure out something that could present a lot of trouble like a vision, a prophecy, an oracle, etc. It's one of the things that I know that you do and I do is try to at least include the group if it's going to be, uh, you know, sort of centered on one thing or one person, that it's it's a broad thing. And and leaving a little bit of wiggle room just in general is, is a good idea. Uh, you want it to be mysterious, but also uh, that way you can throw in some clues or some things that may or may not apply. Um, get those red herrings just like right in there. Yeah, I mean, if you make a if you make a prophecy or a vision vague and subjective, it gives you the latitude as a game master to change your intended outcome of the prophecy on the fly to match what the players are doing. Uh, for instance, when I came up with Grandello Fug's vision, I knew where I was going to have it lead. It was it was very intentional. And then as we got later in the campaign, uh, and I was trying to decide, okay, well, where's this Lesher Diggs character going to be hiding out? And I thought, oh, you know, Aralax was a really fun place in Series 3. Wouldn't it be interesting if I made the, like, the signature Black Sea planet of Aralax seem like the shadow in the stars that Grundello Fug saw. And then I say, oh yes, and everyone in the Church of Aralax has green lenses on their gas masks. And all of a sudden, you know, you guys as players think, ah, yes, we found it. We found the thing we've come to stop. And then you finally find Lesher Diggs and he pulls the rug out from under you and says, no, 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 there's something like this is benign what you're this is not what you're after the thing you're after is in the deep core and is terrifying and is threatening the planet of coruscant and all of a sudden like the stakes are raised it's not a weird backwater cult <laughs> that you guys are after and i was only allowed the opportunity to kind of toy with uh with your perception of the prophecy uh by making it vague enough that i could like sprinkle in red herrings and if i had made it a super specific vision with no ambiguity, it would have really put you guys on the rails and, you know, it would have set you, it would have really put you guys on the rails and taken away like any of your agency. And, and, and you could have, I wouldn't be allowed to work with your ideas and, and actions to reform my story, which is something we've talked about a lot in the, uh, in words with the GM about how, like, you're not only telling your story, you're telling everyone's story. And, and that, that goes, you know, double for like, if you're trying to like work a vision in, if, if, if you make it super black and white, the players don't have any say in the matter. And that's just, you know, a little less fun. And I, I think that that comes with, you know, letting your players kind of decide what's important to them as you're developing your campaign. So you can obviously, and 
all of this is just advice. So if you have a campaign, I can think of a campaign right now that starts with a prophecy, but it might be worth it, especially if uh, you haven't really dealt with prophecies or visions before, to have it in the back of your mind as your campaign begins, but perhaps it either doesn't apply to the characters yet, or the characters don't know it applies to them, or it hasn't even happened yet. Uh, and that way, uh, everybody can kind of buy in and, and you can create a vision that's got wiggle room, but has direction um, towards a goal that you know your characters are interested in. Uh, and that also makes it easier when you're focusing in on just a couple characters being the primary subjects of said prophecy or vision. Like Grundello Fug said he saw what he perceived to be two Jedi smiting the darkness in, in the stars. And like, you know, Oko and Tan aren't Jedi. So the vision really has nothing to do with them except for the fact that they've invested in the well-being and future of Jaxamar and Elkiri. And actually, while we're talking about prophecies and visions and all that uh, in role-playing games, I do want to say that something that we've talked about before, especially with like goals with your players, remember to make sure that the there is an ultimate payoff at the end of this prophecy and little measurable steps on the way there. The worst kind of prophecy is the prophecy that never comes into fruition. So uh, just a, a little tip uh, that I know... Uh, can make a big difference in in a campaign. Uh, yeah, if you were uh, if you put a prophecy in there and then don't pull the trigger on uh, even small aspects of it, like until five years into your campaign, your players are not going to care about that prophecy <laughs> anymore. They're be like, oh, that thing we gave up on that forever ago. But if you like, you know, sprinkle in little like, ah, yes, this is the next step of the prophecy. Yeah, this is the next step. You can like spread it out over many years, but like you have to keep reinvesting the characters in it. You have to keep giving the players like a little like, yes, you're on the right track. You know, you've been working towards this for a while. That way, five years down the road in your campaign, they've really invested in it the whole way from A to B. That payoff is going to be so good. <laughs> <laughs> but I think that's enough for now. Let's talk about what your favorite moment was. My favorite moment had to be the sort of Wizard of Oz moment that happened with uh, with Lesher Diggs kind of in a little side room uh, projecting himself on a on a large screen uh, as if he was some mysterious faraway figure who was like calling in to give advice to the acolytes that spoke to him. But he was really just in the other room in his quote unquote isolation chamber, which just turned out to be a lab. <laughs> I think it got cut out of the episode because no one was on their mic for a moment as we were like all refreshing our drinks before we sat back down to continue the episode. One of the players asked, so who's going to be Toto? <laughs> 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 and, uh, and as we sat down, you, Addy, were like, I think I'm going to end up being Toto. And so you sensed and were like, yeah, he's right there. <laughs> Let me just force open that door and we can embarrass the wizard. <laughs> uh, so that was my favorite part. What about you? What was your favorite part? Oh, hands down the very last moment. Uh, when that mask comes off and, and you hear my, I mean, you guys heard my reaction at the end of the episode. <laughs> we, we predicated like Dan and I predicated our characters on, okay, Dude Onoem is dead. 
period, end of sentence. And so when he was like back and alive, I was like, what? Uh, And it was amazing. I honestly didn't think I was going to get away with it. (laughs) I've been sitting on this for so long before we even sat down to record the first episode or anything as the characters were being made. As soon as you and Dan were like, what if Jaxmar wasn't your master until after Order 66? Like, what if your master died in Order 66? Yeah, that'd be cool. That'd be really compelling. And I was like, yep, that guy's going to come back. <laughs> it's going to, I'm going to, I'm going to do that. That's definitely, that feels like a very Star Wars thing to do. And I, I was so sure someone was going to call me on it. Yeah. Looking back, the signs are all there. Uh, honestly, it's a, it's a huge cliffhanger, uh, and a mean way to leave the last episode. So, uh, on that note, without further ado, let's see what happens next in series eight, episode 17, shadow of the master. Enjoy. I am Jaxamar Sorrell, human Jedi Sentinel. My Padawan training was patrolling the slums of Coruscant, rooting out the vicious gangs and bringing them to justice. With the guidance of Master Lewitt Rensmer, I learned to rely on my cunning to solve problems, passing my trials, diffusing a hostage crisis the day the Clone Wars began. At the height of the war, I was called to the front lines alongside my oldest friend Dudo and his Padawan Elkiri. The idea of the Jedi as generals never sat well with me, and my greater fears were realized when the clones turned on us, and Dudo sacrificed himself so we could survive. His final wish was for me to take up the task of training Elkiri. With the destruction of the Order, it falls to me to ensure the Jedi live on through her. Though my training left me a capable warrior, I've had to quickly adjust in a galaxy where a lightsaber is a beacon for the Empire's most dangerous assassins. Thankfully, we found allies in the former Republic pilot Tan Mobuk and her droid Oko. She saved us after the Empire rose to power, and her ship, the Exipiter, has been home for the last three years. The galaxy may be shrouded in darkness, but I believe the Force will guide us to a better future. The name's Mobuk, Lieutenant Tan Mobuk of the Galactic Republic Navy. Well, that's who I used to be anyway. Before all this happened, I was a slave, nearly died trying to fight my way out. And when the opportunity to join the Navy presented itself, you bet your ass I jumped like hell. Spent most of the Clone Wars chasing pirates. Found my bird, the Exhibitor, there, in fact. The up-and-ups let me keep her despite her, uh, modifications. And Oko, too. Others might just see a droid, but I know there's more under their shiny metal shell. Now, now we're just trying to survive. With Sorel and Elkiri on board, the Exhibitor will always have a target on her back. It'd have been a hell of a lot safer for us to run and hide. But safe never really was my MO. We've done some good helping out with the Hydean Underground. One day, though, I'm going to give the Empire a kick straight in the teeth for what they've done. To me, to Sorel, to Alkiri and Oko, and all the others they've crushed under their heel. They've won their war, but I've just started mine. Personal identification number 0K0, at your service. Master Tan refers to me as Oko. You may as well, there isn't much time. Please lean back, this will take your mind off the pain. I am told my past has been eventful for a droid. I was captured by roving pirates shortly after the start of the Clone Wars. They modified and reprogrammed me to accompany them on raids. My surgical laser was greatly enhanced for combat utility and I was trained in the manufacture of stimulants and toxins. Please drink this. 
I witnessed many gruesome sights, but also interacted with all manner of organic life, occasionally even in a non-lethal capacity. Your species is particularly fascinating. So much blood. Upon my recovery, Master Tan allowed me to retain my memory. My years with the brigands, while regrettable, had instilled in me an appreciation for freedom and autonomy, ideals shared by Master Tan. My unusual modifications, coupled with her impressive piloting abilities, served us well as a Republic emergency extraction team until the clones turned on us and our three Jedi companions. As runners in the Hydean underground, we do what we can to hide good people from the Empire, but nowhere is safe now. Good news, there is a 38% chance that your injuries are non-fatal. Best of luck. I am Elkiri Kanti, Padawan learner. The Force has always been with me, even in the most trying of times, and I am continually surprised by the way the Force guides us all. That it saw fit to match me with Master Jaxamar Sorrel, Sentinel, and perhaps the last Jedi Knight. Just like my late master, Duto Noem, Jaxamar and I are an unlikely pair. I've always been more inclined to talk than to fight, and he has always been the other way around. After we escaped, we turned to Rushala, an old friend of mine from early in the Clone Wars. She helped us hide from the Empire when we were in need, and now, along with her, we formed the Hydean Underground to help save those who are under the thumb of, or worse, enslaved by the Empire. There's no war that can be waged against the Empire. The best we can do is to save those we can and avoid any engagement with the Empire's forces. I must admit, I can sense the apprehension grow in me as we approach every new rescue for the Hydean Underground. But with Master Sorrel, Tan, and Oko working beside me, and the Force with us, the Empire will never know we're coming. The last time we had left the crew of the Exhibitor, they had investigated their lead on the Aralax trading post, spoke with the defected imperial science officer, Lesher Diggs, who told them of a horrible plot from the Empire to manufacture a weapon in the Deep Core, primed to kill most, if not all, of Coruscant's population. Believing this to be the threat they are destined to stop, they returned to their ship only to find a dark figure aboard it. Not a Sith Inquisitor, but the avatar of the Sith Lord Darth Venari, reclaiming the helmet that they had found on the planet of Bolea. After a quick and devastating fight, Elkiri knocked unconscious. Uh, Jaxamar was able to run his lightsaber up the front of... Darth Venari's chest and helmet, knocking the helmet off of his head to reveal the face of a man they had thought dead. Dudo Nuem, Elkiri's former master, struck down in Order 66. Jaxmar, in this desperate swing, you you realize uh, you felt that familiarity uh, in in the fight, uh, the the form with which this figure is fighting, and instinctively you drive the lightsaber up. It catches on the helmet, f- making it fly off. You see the face of Dudo, slightly singed from uh, from your lightsaber. He stumbles back, looking at you for a moment before succumbing to uh, to his wounds and strain and falling down unconscious. 
His head is shaved. The back half of his skull is metal with strange circular ports on it. Uh, he falls down at your feet, dropping the sword and shield of Darth Venari, uh, and he lays unconscious next to his former Padawan, Elkiri. I kick the sword away and the mask. Well, the, the shield's a little harder to kick, but yeah, you can... Like, I, I will pick up the shield and sh- throw sure. it down the hall. Yeah. All three artifacts separated now in different, uh, different positions along this damaged hallway. Uh, what do you guys do? I attempt to heal Master Elkiri. Go ahead and roll that medicine check. Uh, you may heal three wounds, five strain, and a critical injury. Oko hovers over, uh, putting a splint uh, along your spine, Elkiri, rolling you over and injecting you with some stims and patching you up. Uh, you regain consciousness, seeing the familiar face of this droid floating above you, smiling. You kind of sit up uh, slowly, feeling the, the mechanical kind of uh, splint assisting you uh, with, your, with your pained back, Elkiri. And you look to the right, seeing uh, this dark-robed figure, um, disarmed and helmet removed, uh, laying beside you. And you see the unconscious face of Dudo Nuem, uh, his head shaved and the back half of his skull metallic and cybernetic. I back up at first and then say, no. And I actually crawl to him to see that he's real. Yeah, you kind of crawl in shock towards him, and you, like, reach out a trembling hand. He is real. Uh, he's still breathing. Jack Smar, you should take care of Valkyrie. Oko and I will get him put away somewhere. We gotta get off this moon. I've been standing sort of dumbstruck over Dudo's body, uh, and I, I shake out of it as Tan addresses me. Um... You should sedate him. Uh, and, and I sit down next to Elkiri. Oko? Understood. Oko, you float over. You uh, stick a needle in um, Dudo's neck, uh, giving him a dose of sedative, and then tan, and you can kind of pick him up. And uh, where are you guys taking him? To the med bay. Okay. Um, I assume there's like a, like a gurneyer table there. There is. Uh, I'd like to strap him down to the table. Yep, easy enough to do. Uh, you guys get to work on that. Elkiri and Jacksmore. I think I try to go with Dudo unless you're going to stop me. Tan will. Elkiri, you should stay with Jacksmore. But what if he wakes up and I'm not there? He's not going to wake up. I promise you that he will not wake up. Okay? Okay. Uh, they move away with him. You look back. Uh, this hallway is dark and damaged from the fight. Uh, the artifacts of Darth Venari are scattered around and sitting in the middle of it, uh, as dumbfounded and shocked as you, uh, is Jaxamar, kind of kneeling down where you were a second ago. I'll offer him a hand up. I take it. Oko and Tan, uh, in strapping down Dudo to this, um, gurney, you have to remove some of his armor. Uh, and you see that his collar and shoulders and arms are all metallic as well. And his legs are from the knee down. A quick scan from your, from your med kit and um, surrounding equipment, Oko, tells you that most of Dudo's neural pathways and respiratory system have been replaced with cybernetics as well. And something about this seems familiar to you, Oko. Uh, and I would like you to roll 
uh, a hard either lore check or warfare check. I will roll a warfare check. Two successes and one threat. Checking back in your in your memory logs, uh, you take a little bit of strain, focusing on both that and strapping down and uh, situating Dudo appropriately. This tech is separatist by design. Even to this day, this would be considered cutting-edge techno-union cybernetics. And thinking back, you remember hearing rumors about the techno-union experimenting on a captured clone trooper, turning him into a cyborg to provide the separatists with counterintelligence on Republic tactics. Some of those reports that you briefly saw, like most of it was redacted, but like the, the ports in the back of his head to plug him into some kind of data core seems reminiscent of what happened to that clone trooper. Can I interface with these ports? Yeah, actually you can. Looking this over, you know that the clone retained most of his memories and sentience. However, not everything that's been done to Judo seems to match what happened to that clone. And you can tell just by the design of the, of the cybernetics, the purpose with which they are uh, implanted. It seems like he might not have been serving the same purpose for the separatists as that clone was. Um, it's hard to say how much of Duto was left intact after this procedure. I share all this with Master Tan. Yeah, um, we should wait. We don't even know what half of this is. What did they do? It is an impressive melding of organic and machine, but dangerous tech. Classified. Okay, um, right now we just need to focus on the fact that he's not going to wake up. I will keep him sedated until the Jedi arrive. Okay, um, I'm going to go check on Jaxmar and Elkiri and get us going. I'll uh, go back into the hall. You climb back up to the living quarters, enter the hallway uh, that connects the the rooms uh, to the cockpit, and uh, still sitting there where you left them, uh, Elkiri and Jaxmar are there. Jax? <clears throat> yes. We need to go. Of course. And I head to the co-pilot seat. I'll uh, make sure Elkiri gets to her room before heading into the cockpit. Elkiri, you are gently guided to your quarters. Okay. And then you hop in the cockpit, Tan. I will uh, take off as soon as possible. You have the codes to open up the docking bay, and you can easily remove yourself from the Aralax trading post. Um, anywhere in particular you're planning on going? Dead space. You set a course and jump through hyperspace. A few minutes later, you pop. You will pop out in no man's land. Uh, I'll get on the comm link. Oko, uh, we need to run diagnostics on the ship again. Make sure no one's going to be following us that way. And set a timer. From here on out, we're, we're making jumps. Continuous jumps. Understood. Uh, I scan the ship. Sure. You'll take some time doing that. I'm not going to make you roll for it. There's no extra bugs or anything on the ship. I will go pick up the items, the artifacts. Okay. And I will put one in each um, uh, escape pod. Okay. Uh, There's two escape pods. They're on the tip of the sponsons uh, that have the high output ion engines. You do have to walk by the med bay to get to one of them. And you can see through the window there strapped down uh, cybernetics bear, uh, Dudo Nuem. I keep going. Okay. Uh, and I will tuck it into the paneling of each of the 
escape pods, and then I will take the mask, mm-hmm. um, and I will tuck it up underneath my bunk. Okay. Jack, Samar, and Tan, you guys finish the jump. You step out into the hallway as Elkiria is exiting her room. I'm on my way to the med bay to go sit with Dudo. Before you go, I grab your arm. You you need to know they've done something to him. It's not... I don't think it's Dudo. I nod and continue on. All four of you converge in the med bay over the unconscious form of Dudo Nguyen. Welcome, Master Draxamar. And I stick him with a stim pack. Uh, you hardly feel the needle as he sticks you and you heal up seven wounds. It is classified separatist technology I encountered during the Clone Wars. Cybernetics. There is an interface in the back of his cranium, but I am not sure it would be right for me to do it. Only sort of half listening to Oko, I will put my hand on Dudo's shoulder and just sort of half under my breath, half not. Just, what did they do to you, my friend? Do it. We don't even know if it's safe. Oko, do you think it's safe? Uh, honestly, Oko, this is cutting-edge technology. You can't say 100% for certain you've never interfaced with something like this, but you also understand that these ports were designed to be interfaced with in some way. Uh, so it's probably not a huge risk to Dudo for you to do so. What if we use the holocron? If Dudo is malevolent, I feel like interfacing with the holocron would give him a dangerous amount of knowledge. I... I don't know. If I begin to spark, pull me out. Oko. I'll interface. No. <laughs> Oko pulls, uh, pulls a cord out of his hip with his slicing gear attached to it and slides up and interfaces with the back of Judo's head. This will be a daunting computer check for you, Oko. One success. So you, you plug in uh, and, you know, sparks don't shoot out. No malware tries to upload itself to you. Nothing, nothing strange happens. You plug in and you are uh, given access to um, some of the cybernetics uh, maintenance logs. And you're able to kind of scan through those and figure out like the purpose of some of these cybernetics and any logs loaded in by the people who implanted it. Uh, just glancing it over, you can see he was captured after Order 66 uh, and then handed off to the Techno Union who began to... Uh, attempt to improve on their designs from the clone trooper that they uh, that they captured before. Beyond that, you can't really tell a whole lot, except for that the purpose of his cybernetics were not designed for him to be plugged into a data core and used for intelligence. Uh, they seemed to want to be able to control him and basically have a Jedi fight for them. However, the logs drop off long before they got anywhere close to achieving that. The dates on the log match the... Uh, empire wiping out what was left of the separatists in the western regions uh shortly after the clone wars it doesn't seem like they ever really finished their project on him i log off uh as soon as oko logged in i ran over to them uh and i grabbed them by the shoulders uh and when i see their face light up again uh, i'm like oko are you okay what's what happened are you i am fine he seems to be rebuilt and redesigned as a weapon However, there is no one controlling him. Your scanners indicate that the sedation is about to wear off, Oko. He is likely about to wake. Should I allow him? Yes. I would like to speak with him. 
whoever he is. Understood. There's a tense 45 to 60 seconds, and then his eyes start to flutter a little bit, and he opens them and immediately attempts to struggle against the restraints. Uh, and Elkiri and Jaxamar, you feel a pull in the force as he spreads out his, his hands and tries to like pull at, you're not sure what, because there's no, there's nothing more than just a tremor. He doesn't seem able to wield the force, not even close to how he was in the hallway. And he struggles a little bit more. And then he looks around at who's around him and his eyes have just the faintest glimmer of recognition when he, his, when his gaze glances towards Elkiria and Jaxamar. And he blinks a couple times and like a strained voice, he says, I, I know you. Who are you? I am Jaxamar Sorrell. Does that name mean anything to you? His eyes are darting around fast. Uh, he looks at all of you again, looks around, almost seems like he's going to struggle again, and then he like shakes his head clear a little bit, and he looks at you again, and he goes, No. Your face. I recognize it. Yours, too, he says towards uh, Elkiri. But I, I do not know you. Can you tell us who you are? I was born in pain. Lights, mechanical beans poking, prodding. They created me. Wiped away what I was before. Built me for a purpose. One they couldn't fulfill. They malfunctioned. Shut down. I, I made my escape. I was lost. No path. I, I do not have a name. Elkiri leaves. Tan's going to go after Elkiri. How did you come to possess the artifacts you were wielding? He called to me. Darth Venari pulled at my soul. I followed the sound and found the blade. And grasping it in my hand, I heard his voice. He gave me new life. Purpose. Only upon re reuniting all of his creations could I fulfill his purpose. My destiny. I do not have a name, but I am his avatar. Destined to hunt the most dangerous prey. Even now, I can hear its heartbeat echoing across the galaxy. And he struggles against the restraints again. He goes, you must let me hunt my prey. I must fulfill my destiny. What is your prey? I do not know. It is in the shadows. I do not know what it is, who it is. I just know it lives and must die. I'm sorry, my friend. Oko, sedate him. Understood. As you move in to sedate him, he struggles again. Uh, again, Jaxmar, you feel that faint tremor in the force as he tries to harness it but doesn't seem able to. Uh, he begins shouting about his destiny and how he must hunt the prey of Darth Venari and is quickly silenced by Oko as he administers more sedative. Uh, Elkiri, where did you get off to? I don't think I made it that far. I think I mostly just left as far as it took to not hear him. Okay, you got partway across the, uh, the cargo bay and kind of stopped leaning up against some crates and, uh, that's where Tan finds you. I'll, uh lean up against the wall next to Elkiri and uh, 
Just kind of sit there in silence with her. I I don't think it's him. Uh, Elkiri, you once told me not to let my fear control me. And I'm bad at that, admittedly. But you... I didn't spend much time around Jedi before you. I mean, I knew Sorel a bit in here and there, but I think you might be the best Jedi I've ever met. So it's okay if you care and it's okay for you to feel what is there. Cause I don't think it's going to control you. I don't think you would allow it. We aren't supposed to have attachments, strong attachments. I don't want I don't, I don't, I can't care if it's not him. Jackson, are you hear this as you step out of the med bay? So, I trust you. I'm going to stand up and, and like stop leaning against the wall and look at Elkiri and cross my arms and say, well, I think you're full of poodoo because if you didn't care and you didn't form attachments, then I wouldn't be here. So I'm glad that you did. And I realize that it seems insurmountable now, but I have faith in you. So when you're ready, we're going to deal with this. Elkiri, for the first time in a very long time, potentially since you've known her, cannot meet your eyes. Oko, your alarm goes off. It's time to make another jump. Master Tan, it is time. Elkiri, you should get some rest. Uh, Elkiri nods and starts heading up the staircase to the ruined hallway. (laughs) Where should we plot a course to? The farthest reaches of space. Does that sound good to you? That would take considerably longer than your lifespan. Yeah, okay, no. um, (laughs) Just pick a point, Oko, that doesn't have a planet or an asteroid. Or a moon. Or a ship. Just pick an empty point. Understood. Uko presses a couple buttons on the console, and you guys jump to hyperspace again. Several hours later, long enough to sleep, I will go find Elkiri. Uh, she's not hard to find. She's in her room. Um, I'll knock. Uh, come in. Uh, I do, and will you come meditate with me? Uh, Elkiri shrugs and nods and stands up, goes where you're going. Uh, I will go someplace comfortable to sit and meditate that is not in view of the med bay. Usually that's the cargo bay, but like, that's not great right now. (laughs) There's the lounge. Sure. I will move some things aside there, put some pillows on the floor. Uh, after we sit there for five, ten minutes meditating together. Do you recall the Jedi Code? Yes? Of course. Do you recall the Learner's Code you had to learn before you became a Padawan? Of course. Um, Emotion yet peace, ignorance yet knowledge, passion yet serenity, chaos yet harmony, death yet the Force. They are absolutes in the Jedi Code. My master often commented that she thought this was a more accurate code. Of course we have emotion. 
Everyone, alive and sentient, has emotion. Of course, we make attachments. It is impossible to go through life without making attachments. The Force is a powerful tool, an ally, and those well-versed in it can become quite formidable. And the point of the Code is to temper our attachments and emotions against the misuse of this power. But it is impossible to go through life and not make friends. It's impossible to go through life and not care about people. As Jedi, we're supposed to care about everyone. If what you've taken from the code is that we can care for no one, I have failed you in my teachings, Elkiri. And for that, I'm sorry. I'm the one who failed you. His death was always far away. Like a, like an ache. Like when you reach out and you can't feel anyone else. That was okay. This is his death, but a thousand times over. Because for a moment... He was alive. You've not failed me. I'm just weak in this moment. We all have moments of weakness, Elkiri. That's what the attachments are for. Elkiri nods. I will meditate for a while. You're welcome to stay if you like. And she will. Sitting and meditating, feeling the flow of the force around the two of you, every few minutes, you get this like smallest, faintest feeling of your old friend and former master. Almost like a memory of him. More time passes. You guys jump again when Oko's alarm goes off. This practice continues and Dudo remains subdued for as long as you keep him sedated. Master Tan, our fuel and my sedatives are not infinite. You're right. Okay. Can you ring uh, Roshala through to the cockpit? Calling. She answers. Oh, you're alive. I wasn't sure when I went back and the acceptor was missing. Yeah, sorry. Uh, we had to leave in a hurry. Is everyone okay? Everyone's alive. We need a safe house. Um, well, if you haven't gotten too far, you're within a jump or two from Oakleroth, our home planet. It's remained relatively unnoticed from the Empire after we swore fealty. Okay. Can you get your hands on fuel and... Medicine? Uh, we have both of those are at our disposal on the planet. I'll, I'll let them know you're coming. Thanks, Roshala. Are you... No one else was harmed? N- no. Um, n- no one at all. I mean, we eventually returned. We brought some of the security force with us, and they had some questions as to what happened to their droids, but we covered for you, and no one else came after us. I assumed... Well... I was torn between assuming the worst and that you had been captured or that you had taken care of it. I'm glad it's the latter. Yes, well, I think there's still some figuring to do, but we're okay for now. I'll reach out to Oakleroth and I'll meet you there, maybe. Thank you, and again, be be careful. You too. And she hangs up. Oko, we're setting a course for Oakleroth. Setting course for Oakleroth. 
it doesn't take you guys very long to get there. It's not a hard jump. You just kind of hop over to the next system where Oklaroth is. Uh, it will just take you guys a couple days, really. In that time, I would like to consult with Master Fug about Dudo's condition. Um, go ahead and roll a lore check. Uh, you can use his intellect of four. Uh, it will be a daunting check. One success. Consulting with uh, Master Grandello Fug, uh, to open the holocron, you will have had to have Elkiria at least help you with that. Whether you stay in the room to assist with the discussion, Elkiria is up to you. Sure. I'll stay. He talks uh, primarily about Sith possession. Um, because he can't really speak to the Techno Union cybernetics and what they've done to Dudo, but Master Fug works under the assumption uh, that his memory loss is due to the neural pathways being uh, replaced primarily with cybernetics. Um, he says it stands to reason that uh, they were planning on like reprogramming his personality to turn him into a weapon, though they never succeeded. As far as his knowledge of Sith possession... Grandello Fug says, uh, while Sith artifacts that possess their users tend to uh, exert total control over those they possess, they don't rewrite them and they don't delete them. Uh, if ever removed from the possession, which he would guess uh, had to do with you removing that helmet and the other artifacts, because he knows that Venari's artifacts uh, have been reported to exert his will over whoever w wields them. Um, some essence of him lives within these artifacts. Uh, he doesn't think that Venari, uh, Venari's artifacts would stop Dudo from being himself when he wasn't wearing them or using them. Um, it's even possible that Venari can only exert total and complete control over Dudo when all three artifacts are united, though that's just a theory. If you want to find out... What remains of your friend? I believe the only solution is to ask him. We have. He kind of grins at that and uh, puts his hands on his hips and kind of gently says, Well, you asked him once. When first you don't succeed, he raises an eyebrow and kind of like gives you a kooky smile, which you've come to see him do a lot. It's possible there's more to your friend in there than even he knows. He's mentioned continuing to hear the call of Venari. In your expertise, do you think this is something that will fade with time? We've separated him from the artifacts. Possibly. From what he told you, the first artifact called to him without him ever having come in contact with them. It could be that somehow he is intrinsically linked, much like how the Force brought you to the helmet and to this holocron. It could be that this is the Force's will. I just sit with that for a long moment and then move on and fill in Master Fug on what we've learned from Lesher Diggs. The Deep Core. The Nebula. It rings true to my visions. There was a unnatural glow to the space around these eyes. It could have been a Nebula, yes. Though my knowledge of the Deep Core is limited, it was formerly uncharted until... Apparently, just recently, the Empire's found some pathways through it. To my knowledge, the only pathway anyone's found through the Deep Core was General Grievous when he laid siege to the planet of Coruscant. We will continue to investigate, Master Fug. 
And then I shot the holocron. Uh, at some point during the couple of days that we're in hyperspace, uh, I'm going to go down into the med bay, um, past Dudo, uh, and open up that drawer with long side in it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm going to pull out the last file and take a look at it and then head back into the cockpit where Oko is. Greetings, Master Tan. Oko, I need you to do something for me. How can I be of service? I hold out the long sight to you. I will not administer that, Master Tan. Can you desynthesize this? Certainly. Thanks, Oko. Thank you. I'll take it and leave. Okay. It's not very hard for you to uh, render it inert. Uh, Yeah, and then... Unless anyone else gets into anything, uh, you do eventually drop out of hyperspace in orbit around the uh, planet of Oklaroth, uh, which is a forest-strewn planet with uh, fluorescent leaves of fuchsia, pinks, and some yellows. And uh, you float down to where you know Rashala's tribe lives. Uh, they live um, in homes made of, of stone uh, built into the sides of hills and mountains. Uh, but you do know that they have modern technology within these uh, ancient homes that they reside. And uh, you guys can land uh, nearby one of these uh, fortresses in the, uh, in the open uh, in a field of flowers. And um, as you step down, uh, there are some aides who will guide you to wherever you tell them to. They've been told to expect you and to not ask questions. We'll need to refuel and resupply. The gentleman you're speaking to nods. Yes, of course. I will have people take care of that. Uh, Is there anything else we can do? Do you need to stay here for some time? We have lodgings prepared for you. Uh, We were also told that you needed access to the med bay. Yes, we do. Can you uh, arrange transport? Uh, One of our fellow travelers is quite ill. Of course. Uh, we will get a stretcher right away. Uh, a, a couple people step off to the side. They have a stretcher. Uh, they move in. They'll take Dudo wherever you want. They'll take you guys wherever you want. I go wherever they take Dudo. I grab the holocron and the mask and put them in my bag. Yeah, they lead you uh, through the field and uh, the forest. A beautiful uh, temperate weather as you guys make your way to a stone, uh, a small stone structure. And uh, upon entering it, you are on, uh, in a, a strange amalgamation of ancient architecture and state-of-the-art uh, medical technology. There's a back-to-tank in the corner, medicinal supplies and operating tools uh, at the ready. They set Dudo's stretcher on one of the uh, beds, and uh, they quickly make themselves scarce, leaving the four of you with Dudo. Um, I will go call Pep. <laughs> okay, Elkira, you step out. Um, you see the stone huts nearby the hospital that are uh, prepared for you and your companions to stay for as long as you need. This little area of the village seems to be uh, completely yours. There's not many people milling about. And you uh, pull out your holocom and dial Pep Dantor who answers, and the smile's a little strained this time. Like, he wasn't really expecting to hear from you again after your vigorous negotiations. El-Kiri. Hello, Pep. He opens his mouth to say something, probably one of his usual quips, and then he stops for a second and, like, looks, like, seems to analyze your face, sits there and goes, something's wrong. What is it? Dudo is alive. He looks a little shocked 
at that. But he's got no memory of himself. In addition, there's something terrible happening in the deep core and we have to go there and stop it. And only the Imperials have the hyperlanes to get through. Uh, go ahead and roll charm. Uh, it will be a daunting test with two challenge, and you can have two boosts. I succeed with two threat. Uh, so you take two strain as, as you finish what you're saying. It kind of starts to hit you a little bit. And for some reason, you're saying all of this to Pep Dantor. You didn't think he'd be like a shoulder you come crying to. Basically, you take the strain as you see, like, the look of actual empathy on his face. And uh, you have to, like, kind of avert your gaze. And he goes, I, um... <clears throat> and he kind of seems to, like, gather himself a little bit. And then he raises an eyebrow and flashes a grin. And he goes, Deep core intel? I can get those hyperspace lanes in my sleep, darling. You just give me an evening. Thank you, Pep. I'll owe you one. Another one. He, as you start to say that, he raises his hand to silence you and he goes, as per our newest business, business arrangement, this one's on the house. And he uh, hangs up. God, I think she starts crying then. I think that's the thing that makes her cry. <laughs> Pep Dandor being nice to you? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you just kind of overwhelmed with emotion, kind of kneel down on the ground and start sobbing. Uh, anyone who steps out of the hospital will see about 10 paces away <laughs> El Kiri crying into her hollow calm. Some time passes, and eventually those of you inside the hospital are rejoined by a slightly red-eyed El Kiri. Pep uh, is going to get the info we need. It's just going to take a little while. That's good. Yeah. Oko, will you wake him up? I can do that. Waking up, this time a little less violent, not struggling against the restraints. Dudo opens his eyes, blinks around, looks at his new surroundings, and then his eyes fall to Elkiri, and he smiles at you, and he goes, you were in my dream. What did you dream of? An argument about a king or a queen on a very foggy planet. This rings true, Elkiri. This is a... Uh, this dream is at least informed by a memory, if not directly a, a memory. Um, he's describing one of the many diplomatic missions you and he went on during the Clone Wars. You didn't agree with something I said. That sounds true. Who are you? Who am I? You were my friend, my teacher. He like processes that for a bit and looks at the rest of you. The rest of you knew me as well? We were friends, as children. You said before, you do not have a name. That is wrong. You have a name. You are Dudo Nuem, Jedi Knight. He sits there for a second, small faint smile on the corner of his, of his mouth. Yes, I do remember that name belonging to me. And then he looks a little like deflated for a moment and goes once long ago a jedi you say one of the best jedi are meant to be noble 
in his time, Darth Venari was as well. He cared not for the cruelty and conquest of the Sith Lords. He relished the purity of the hunt, seeking out the darkest and most dangerous creatures, those born of the dark side. In hunting him, he strengthened his connection to the Force. He shared his memories with me. You are Jedi, are you not? He says uh, to Elkiri and Jax. We are. This world, it can't exist without the dark. The Jedi, the Sith, the Ashla, the Bogan, light and dark are both necessary aspects of the Force. Venari hunts darkness by becoming darkness. Please, I must do the same. You say I was a Jedi. Jedi protect those in danger. A danger lurks at the heart of the galaxy. I can feel it. Venari wishes for me to end it. I've survived since my rebirth by following my instincts. I may not remember my time with you, but I do feel a connection to you. My instincts led me to Venari and then to you. Perhaps we are meant to work together to hunt Venari's prey. You say Venari is noble, and yet he has crafted artifacts that dominate the minds and wills of those who hold them, that turn their bodies into puppets, that are fueled by hatred and malice. You were my oldest friend in the galaxy, and a week ago you tried to stab me in the heart. I am happy you are alive. I will not return those artifacts to you. You're making a mistake. And you speak for everyone in this room? He does. Then what will you do with me? You will stay here for now. I will sit with you and we will talk. I will tell you of your old life and you will tell me of your new. He nods. While Jaxamar is conversing with Dudo, uh, what is everyone else up to? Are you staying in the room, going to your quarters, making more phone calls? As soon as Jaxmar says that, I, uh, I'm going to leave the hospital. Okay. You step out into the fresh, beautiful air, sun setting over the planet of Oklaroth. And uh, take a, a long couple of breaths uh, and then head back to the exhibitor. It is in the process of being refueled and restocked. And uh, I'm going to go to the cockpit and uh, open the little drawer where I keep my bottle of whiskey. Mm-hmm. And go into my room and open that drawer where I keep my second bottle of whiskey. <laughs> Probably a couple other bottles I have stashed. Uh, and I'm going to walk outside and pour them out. You get some weird looks from the uh, Tegruda around you. Uh, but no one interferes with you. They watch as you pour out a bunch of whiskey. Alkiri and Oko? Others seem to have the exhibitor handled for now. Oko will take this opportunity to take a walk. Well, a hover through a garden or a park, just taking in the organics of this planet. Yeah, it's teeming with life. It's, very, it's a very lowly populated planet. Lots of natural space. Uh, it's easy enough for you to find like a, a a trail to travel along, and you can you know observe the various sentient creatures and plants uh, of this planet. I will stay in the med bay for a while, but staying in one position so long, 
uh, is a little painful since my back was broken. <laughs> uh, so I will clear out all of the things in my room, like push them to the walls and um, shut the door and uh, practice my lightsaber with the back brace on. Sure. The back brace helps prevent any like serious injury as you do. It does make it a little hard, but your form has always been less dependent on the agility uh, and strength of your body and more about uh, the force of will with which you you move. Jaxamar talking into the night with Dudo. You guys kind of do a quid pro quo. Like, you know, he asks you something about who he used to be and then you ask him something about who he is now. Despite your skills, you crashed every speeder you ever owned. That can't be accurate. Every speeder. (laughs) (laughs) While he doesn't seem to remember you, his personality does seem to still be relatively intact. Uh, His memory is missing, yes, but uh, the core of who he was still seems to be there. Twisted slightly by his exposure to Venari, and frequently he does revisit the fact that he thinks uh, you should take him and the artifacts with you to where he senses this malevolent danger that he believes he was saved to hunt. Even actually, like, when talking to you, uh, occasionally you let slip the fact that, like, some aspects of his life before now mirror this somewhat perverse uh, existence he has at the moment. Um, The fact that he did used to be a hunter of dark side creatures and wasn't necessarily, and had a impressive aptitude for craftsmanship. He, he tries to use that argument against you, saying that, like, this is what was meant to be. You know, it may not be pretty, but it is the way, uh, the way it works. He also expands on, the fa- uh, on a little bit on Darth Venari's history. Uh, beyond what Grundello Fug may have been able to tell you, uh, part of the defense that Dudo uses is that Venari existed during the age of the Sith Empire. Uh, he tries to question you and say, like, if you were born into the life of a Sith, do you think that you would be able to resist following their ways? You know, Venari was a product of his time, stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, I will refute his arguments as best as I can. I'm not extremely well-versed in philosophy, but it is fairly easy to point out the destructive nature of the dark side, particularly in Venari's artifacts, dominating the will of others and using them as puppets in his hunt. Uh, This conversation goes for a while. Eventually, he is in a relatively weakened state, and you have had a very long uh, couple days as well, so you eventually do have to rest. And the next day, whoever wakes up first runs into uh, Rishala as, uh, as she uh, is uh, approaching your kind of sequestered area of the village. Uh, Oko, she comes across you on the path leading, uh, leading towards this area of the village. Uh, you're examining some of the uh, plant life there. Oko! Master Rishala, good morning. Good morning. Everyone made it here all right. Yes. Where are they? Um... Is someone hurt? You needed the med bay. We encountered an old friend who is not quite themselves. They're being attended to. Well, I'd like to to see everyone and find out how I can help. Of course. I was returning now. Elkiri, uh, you wake up with a message from Pep Dantor. 
he looks a little tired, just slightly disheveled. And uh, he smiles at his hollow calm, and uh, the message simply says, it's taken care of. Good luck out there. And uh, attached to the, uh, to the calm is uh, a star map with imperial charted hyperlanes in the deep core. Uh, I will get up and to tell everyone that Pep came through. Uh, you step outside of your hut and see Oko and uh, Rishala approaching. She smiles at you. I wave. Uh, the rest of the crew seems to be waking up as well, and uh, all of you convene in the area outside the hospital. And Elkiri shares with you that you guys have a path. Looking at it, what you've heard of the Deep Core is, in fact, true. It uh, Even knowing the relative safe routes, uh, they are far from unperilous. Uh, and this, uh, and Pep, while able to give you an accurate readout of that area of the system and uh, many of the known uh, paths that the Imperials use, he was not able to give you uh, the locations and schedules of Imperial fleets and patrols in the area or uh, where they have minefields or traps laid. Uh, you can see some of the natural dangers there, but um, even this star map uh, could be d- dated. The deep core is ever-changing. What you are able to find looking around is uh, a nebula that matches the description given to you by Lesher Diggs. And you, ass- you assume within that nebula is the planet known as Cinder One. So you at least know where you're trying to get to. We absolutely should not give Dudo Venari's artifacts but he has a supernatural connection to something in the deep core. And he was an excellent navigator. I believe he wants to destroy whatever is there. I trust your judgment. I think something is connecting him to this thing. We would be fools to leave him behind. We'll be careful. There's... No amount of care that will save us if he gets those artifacts again. If the artifacts are gone, I think we stand a chance, but we have to get rid of them first. I agree. What if that severs the connection? Then it does. He's still an excellent navigator. Oko, what do you think? I agree. Destroying the artifacts seems the best course of action. And Master Dudo is a capable companion. We should destroy them. And I think to do that, Tan, we have to send them in an escape pod into a star. A lot of emotions cross (laughs) Tan's face at once. There's some anger. Uh, After a minute, she nods. We can get a new escape pod, but only if we live. Okay. I will inspect the armor Dudo was wearing. Uh, see if it has the same radiating sense of evil that the sword and helmet and shield have. Uh, this armor does not seem to have been made with Sith alchemy in the same ways that the helmet, the sword, and the shield were. It's somewhat Sith in design. Uh, it is ancient and sturdy uh, and very well crafted. To wear it, to like choose to use it, I think for the first time will require you to take a conflict as you willingly use something that was created by a Sith Lord. 
uh, but the armor itself does not seem to be inherently connected to the dark side of the force like the rest of the artifacts. Uh, I do not put it on at the moment, but I inform everyone that I don't think it needs to be destroyed. I can get a new skipper. Yep. Let's do it. <laughs> uh, so you guys, uh, leaving Judo in the care of uh, Rishala after explaining to her everything and her getting over the fact that he's still alive, because you actually know her because of Dudo. Uh, you and uh, Elkiri, you and Dudo, um, this is one of the many planets that you, uh, that you visited during your time in the Clone Wars. So she is, you know that he is safe in her care. Uh, and uh, you get in the uh, exhibitor, loading the artifacts uh, into one of the escape pods, and you make an easy jump to the nearest star as close as you can get without, without really damaging yourselves. You know, all power to the front shields. <laughs> We uh, override the safety on the escape pod like six times as we set the trajectory to be in a, a sun. Yeah, it, it gives you like a lot of error messages. <laughs> Finally, like rip out the automated computer and just manually enter the coordinates. Yep. And then uh, you guys sit back, shutting the uh, door to the escape pods. You can kind of see through like a little window. And uh, after having triple and quadruple checked your work, press the bot button to launch the escape pod and you watch as it detaches from the exhibitor, floats out a little bit and then begins to angle itself towards the sun and then its little engines kick on and it starts going off that way and you watch on the sensors and uh, uh, definitely Oko can watch uh, just directly uh, as the escape pod closes in on the sun of the Oklaroth system and then vaporizes. Once it's clear that the escape pod is on the right trajectory and it's too dangerous for organic eyes to view, uh, I get to work removing the modified Sheen grip from Dudo's lightsaber. It takes you a little bit of time, but yeah, you can definitely do that and have it done by the time you return to the planet of Oklaroth. The exhibitor slightly asymmetrical, entering the atmosphere of Oklaroth. One of the uh, escape pods launched. You land down. Rishala and uh, Dudo waiting for you. Dudo still restrained, but seeming to be improving. And that's where we'll end our session. This podcast has been brought to you by ENPC Productions. All rights reserved. This podcast is not affiliated with, endorsed, or specifically approved by the Walt Disney Company. Lucasfilm Limited, their subsidiaries or sister companies or any Star Wars license holder and is intended for entertainment and informational purposes only. Star Wars, the Star Wars logo, and all names and pictures of Star Wars characters, vehicles, and any other Star Wars related items are registered trademarks and or copyrights of Lucasfilm Limited or their respective trademark and copyright holders. Go to the official Star Wars website, www.starwars.com, for more information. The Edge of the Empire, Age of Rebellion, and Forced in Destiny role-playing games are trademarked properties of Fantasy Flight Games, Incorporated. All rights reserved. For more information, go to www.fantasyflightgames.com slash en slash Star Wars RPG.